listening to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I'm recording this. Uh, following another disappointing Broncos loss, uh, they, they've just gone down to the dumps. Uh, I, I know that we, we could be joined there by the Kansas City Chiefs, though, and to, to help me break that aspect of this all down and maybe not spend any time at all on it is uh, Matt Moore at HP Basketball. A great contributor for uh, the Action Network and for Locked On Nuggets podcast. Uh, Matt, uh, did you get around to watching any football today? Uh, I had to sacrifice today. Um, I had kept my wife in the last six weeks, uh, five weeks during NFL Sundays, just because I was like, I want to watch football. It's fall. I want to watch football. And my daughter keeps going absolutely berserk. She's been home now. She uh, had a cold, and if you have a cold and COVID negative, but if you have a cold, they ha- they say you can't go back, and for like t- twenty four hours after symptoms reside. So my daughter's been home a long time, and she's five. And so my my wife was like, we can't, like we have to get her out of the house. And so we went out today. It's fine. Had a good time, but that means I had to sacrifice football, which is okay. I took a beating in bets. Uh, I did. Uh, catch the tail end of my Chiefs taking care of business, getting back on the right track. Borders restored, Ryan. Order. <laughs> Everything is back where it should be in the universe. The Broncos are losing division games and have completely fallen apart after facing any resistance whatsoever on their schedule. And the Chiefs won. So really, I'm feeling good that things are headed back towards a world where they should be. I know you've never been about making friends on the Denver related podcast and you're not about to start now. So, so I, it, it is, it is totally true though. This has just been a complete disaster for, I, for the Broncos. I never get, I don't have anywhere to put this. Y'all got to fire your coach. Yeah. Like I'm just yeah. telling you, like he I'm sucks. telling you as, as a, as a devoted fan of one of your opponents of your rival, your second biggest rival behind the Raiders. Like I'm willing to see that spot. You have to get rid of Fangio. I am so happy that he is still your coach. Like, (laughs) I am so happy that he continues to be your coach. That should probably not be the way that it is. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big red flag there coming from a division rival. So I, I totally get it. He he mismanages pretty much every situation. He got punked by the Ravens and then cried about it. It was just a, a really bad scenario all around. But we're not here to talk about Broncos, and, and it's going to get more depressing for people the longer that we do. It's more likely that they actually click off of this podcast. Uh, so let's uh, let's get back into the Nuggets and get into some more depressing talk here. Uh, we're we're going to eventually get into some Nuggets and NBA season predictions, but there was a story that came out uh, from Mike Singer of the Denver Post, and he was just relaying practice info. Did you make it out to practice on Saturday? Because I wasn't able to. Uh, I was left out of the email list oh. <laughs> for for a second time. So I think Nico Hare oh. in PR is trying to send me a message. No, the, the, he, he actually left me off of the first one, and then he used the same email list accidentally on this one. So I didn't even know that they were having practice. And then, like, I see Singer being – like, Harrison and, and Singer are sending quotes from practice, and I'm like – what and and so yeah it was a miscommunication uh i do plan on being there this week for practice however i had that happen uh my first year as site manager and i thought it was just a a a definite uh sentencing of denver stiffs at that point but at this point no we're 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 very much good 
Um, the big quote that I think Singer ran with uh, for the story that made the rounds during that one was Michael Malone just being, he was fuming, he was very unhappy, and he said to reporters, we have a very, 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 very quiet group. We spend more time bitching and complaining to the officials where no one has a problem talking, but we can't get ourselves organized. We can't get ourselves into an offense. Uh, he mentioned Monte Morris, Faka Campazzo, BJ Dozier, Bones Highland by name. And when you start naming people, it, it starts to get a little bit more real uh, because the Nuggets have done so well in keeping things closed up and then keeping like handling that behind closed doors rather than calling out individuals and things like that. So I think this is a little bit more serious than I was really expecting it to be. But I wanted to get your take as somebody who's been around, who, who's been through the ups and downs of this. Is this real or is this not real hate from coach? I mean, it's real for Malone. Um, there, he is not the only coach to experience this. He won't be the last. I don't, I'll say this. I don't know how many NBA coaches truly understand their teams. And what I mean by that is I think inherently, if you commit to being an NBA coach, you're accepting so much work and so much stress and so much mental fatigue and mental concern. Like you, if you're a player, you worry about how you play. Your job isn't to worry about what Will Barton shoots, right? If you're Nikola Jokic, if you're Aaron Gordon, your job isn't to worry about Michael Porter Jr.'s defensive awareness. Sure. Right. You can be a floor general, which is what Malone's asking for. But generally speaking, like you play. The coach has to worry about everything. And I just see so many coaches that don't understand why their players won't put in the mental work to commit to either the principles that they're trying to devote to or um, give like this was the problem for years under Malone is like he just couldn't get them to try. Right. Like they had years versus those bad teams where they just wouldn't show up and then they would play like gangbusters versus the Lakers on a Friday night. Yeah. And they started to actually correct a little bit of that. They went 20, I was talking about this on lockdown nuggets. Like they went 26 and eight last year versus teams under 500. They actually have corrected that trend pretty substantially. I think a lot of this honestly has to do with, this is a veteran team now that has been through three grueling playoff runs. Like the 2019, that was 14 games. That was grueling. It was stressful playing the Spurs and then it was stressful playing the Blazers. And then you lost um, it was stressful playing the jazz in the bubble. Like the whole bubble experience was just nightmarishly stressful. And then the Clippers down three, one twice. Then they go into a short off season. Then they go through everything last year where they lost Jeremy Grant. We're trying to figure out things. They just got things back together. Boom. Jer Jamal gets hurt. Then they deal. They get through the blazer series, which was again, a pretty gnarly series. It wasn't like physical defense fouling, but it was just mentally kind of draining. Sure. Um, and now they're back here and now it's another, Oh, hey, get excited. You're playing the, the Spurs on Friday in October. And so Malone wants, this is always the thing. Malone always wants them to hit the ground running. He wants them to build, to get out to this great lead and be the number one team. He wants the season like Utah had last year. Without really understanding, I don't think this team is ever going to be a juggernaut in the regular season. They're it's a collection of very up and down personalities, even when Jamal's there and he's pretty yeah. even keel. 
Yeah. And so he's clearly stressing. I think Malone, I think this run is me personally. I think this has been an incredibly stressful run on Malone. Like it's just been tough. Uh, the bubble, the Nevis family talked about that. The testing drought last year drove him insane. He talked about that. No practice yeah. schedule. He talked about that. Short off season. Now they're coming into this year. They're younger. Millsap's gone. Um, he doesn't have that as like a safety you know mark anymore. Sure. And now he sees how they've been playing. And there's nobody to set the tone. Jamal's not there to set the tone. Monte's not going to set the tone. Monte's is, is a serious professional basketball player who's going to have a long and successful career. Monte Morris is not going to set the tone. Like your best players have to set the tone. That's not what Nicola does. Nicola doesn't set the tone, right? MPJ doesn't, I don't think at this point, is good enough to set the tone. Aaron's not good enough to set the tone. Probably so they don't not. have anybody to be in there to be like, you know, all the, I, I think some of this can be histrionics and dramatics, right? You don't need everybody to be like Kobe, but I think every now and again, you do need a guy to be like, hey, get your shit together. Like, let's go. Stop screwing around. It's time. All right. Like this is work time. We're professionals. And especially I'll tell you this. Um, you tell me that he calls out Monte Morris, Faco Campazzo, Bones Highland, and PJ Dozier by name. Somewhere in there, somewhere embedded within that. I asked the question, did he want them to add a point guard in the offseason? Hmm. Or is it just like a lot of these combining factors are that he's missing Jamal Murray for the first time uh, since Jamal entered the league and that he yeah, has but like Jamal was such a mess for like the first three years of the league. Like Jamal, like right, they had to right. let Jameer Nelson go to make sure Jameer wouldn't take his spot. <laughs> right. But we, okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. Jamal has, he's, he's changed his, status within the league and his status yeah. on this team to the point that okay that is that is one of your rocks that's one of the guys that you you want to build your foundation around and him kind of being that that more fiery personality that's somebody who's willing to call people out a little bit at least more so than than nicola uh there is something to that i think that hey you're, you're missing that guy and he's not around he's not around to kind of save the day at various points and though it's still kind of a mess at various times, I can absolutely see them him really uh, not knowing how to deal with it at this point. I also want to point out that I'm pretty sure this is the last year of Michael Malone's deal or the second to last year. And then next year is the last year. That's how we we frame it with these coaching conversations about their contracts. Uh, there, there's got to be a certain amount of intrinsic pressure that comes with that, too. Uh, my understanding is that there is another year. I need to, I need to, honestly, I need to like confirm that. My understanding is that there's another year. I will say that I, I asked about extension talks and there had not been any over the summer. That, that was months ago. Yeah. Maybe there have been, right? But yeah, Malone, Malone is all, and we've talked about this a lot on lockdown. Like Malone will all, for the rest of his life, is going to be nervous about looking over his shoulder after what happened in Sacramento. It right. was so deeply scarring to him that he is always going to be concerned whenever there is not long-term security provided. Um, that said, you know, I think also a lot of this is just if the Nuggets come out and they play lights out 
on Wednesday and upset the Suns and look like the tough team that he wants them to be, then, you know, he'll probably say, I don't even know what he'll say. I'm not sure what he'll say. He'll say, I wish they'd show me that so I could have slept better at night. That's what he'll yeah, say. Yeah, would have been funny. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this then. Uh, do you think that some of the questions that are popping up here, whether it's uh, point guard play, whether it's defense, whether it's uh, any number of things that he could be worried about, turnovers, uh, not being as attentive as they probably should be, can they be solved before Thursday? Or no. are they just going to be go- ongoing issues? No, they're going to be issues. I don't expect them to start off hot. I have this team winning. We'll get to those things. I am I am uh, higher on the Nuggets than literally any other person in the NBA media sphere this season. Right. And yet I will tell you, I expect them to struggle in the first part of the year badly. I think that they're going to be like, there's going to be, we're going to, you're going to, you're going to get the should Joker ask out questions. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, we're going to get that. Should Joker oh, demand a trade? That's man. That's, that's coming. Oh, there, I can't wait for that first take segment. Because Ugh. like part of this, I think is one, they can't get up for these games yet. Jokic, I think seems tired mentally. Yeah. Um, I would feel a lot better, honestly, if MPJ had come into camp and we had heard like, y'all are not ready. Like he is absolutely, he's dominated every open run. Like he's in the, he is in such phenomenal shape. Like he's just dunking on everybody. Like this dude is, is here. And instead it was like, yeah, no, he looks good. And then we yeah. see him in the preseason and it's like, no, I mean, he had good numbers that one game. And then like, he forgot where he was at for like three games. And so now we're back here with him. Right. So there's no stop gap. That's one of the things is like, this is why, honestly, Jamal, that was what was crazy about the start of last year. Jokic played MVP ball from game one on. Like yeah. he was phenomenal to start the season. And yet they were still losing games because Jamal was playing like garbage to start the year. Cause he hadn't right. touched the basketball in that short off season. Right. Like, that this is the and so it's going to take a while for them to find their legs but this is just what i've learned about the nba it's so can i curse here sure it, it's so goddamn long ryan it doesn't <laughs> matter like they can lose they can start off 3 and 8 and dig themselves out of it by christmas and be like up oh, nope the nuggets are back in the four spot like yeah it, it kind of reminds me of the 1920 1920- Rockets, where they, they were so bad, just so, 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 so bad. And then you turn around and people are still picking them as dark horse contenders, even before the bubble happens, because like you said, the season is so long. They started off poor in October, November, and then by March, everybody's like, okay, yeah, they could be good. They could be really good. And ultimately that didn't happen because of Russell Westbrook. And then there's a lot of other things with the Rockets that won't get into, but there's just the season is very long and and you are absolutely right about it. I often say that the average NBA team will go through three different versions of itself in a season. Sometimes there will be more last year. They were the train wreck that started off and lost to the Kings three times. And then they were an inconsistent team that would have like really strong surges. And then like the low point versus Boston and then the high point after, and then the, supernova juggernaut for that brief week and a half with post trade before Jamal's injury. And then they were that, that grizzled, no, we're not going out. Screw you team. By the end of the season, they'll be better at the end of the year than they were at the start. And like, I wish that, you know, 
I understand why Malone is like, if you screw around, like, cause he's seen it. There are teams that assume they're going to be fine. And then they wake up one day and they're not. I think one of my reservations with that is one, most of those teams don't have the MVP. And then two, most of those teams don't have on their, it's not even just getting Jamal back. It's that the guys on that team know, Hey, if we just get to February, if we can just make it to all-star Jamal comes back and then we're going to be ready to roll. Like they will improve, I think in energy effort and excitement month by month by month. I think that they're going to start off slow and then they're just going to get better and better as the year goes on. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of those Nuggets predictions. Uh, Kind of go around the team a little bit. We will be right back. back the action roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in really appreciate all the love and support that this podcast has had over the course of this offseason has been incredible so thank you so much for helping me grow uh joined today by matt moore of the action network and of locked on nuggets of course my good friend uh fill in the blank matt at the end of the year nuggets fans will be blank with michael porter jr's 2021 2022 season Really good question. Confused. Okay. It's a good word. They'll be confused by it. Uh, I'm, I am ready to be wrong. If he comes out on Wednesday, like this is what's great about the NBA. Like, and I'll tell you this, like one of my big things right now is I'm trying very hard to detach myself as much from my priors as possible. So I I find this all the time that people have these assumptions of how things are going to go. And they're just like set in it. And I'm trying to be very liquid with it and be like, look, this is, this is how I think things are going to go, but this is not how the NBA has been to me. Like there are certain things that you can predict in terms of like, yeah, we're probably going to have to talk about the nets and the Lakers in the playoffs, but everything else I think is pretty liquid. Um, For me personally, the fact that he did, like I said, he did not come into camp and dominate. He did not show up in this preseason and be like, he's the, like, have people being like, God, like MPJ looks like a, a, just a destroyer of worlds. And it's not even so much like, it's got nothing to do with his efficiency. It's got nothing to do with the box score. It's that the start of that Wolves game in the game, I was in person for. And to see three different possessions where he made the wrong decision on three different possessions in the same spot on the court. I was like, here we go again. Like, here, here we go again. Back to great individual player. How does he play five on five? And you just don't want to see that. Now, he may get into the rhythm of the season. It may all work out. It's just, you know, I, he's going to have a stretch there where he's averaging. Like, he's going to have an, a stretch of games, Ryan, where he's averaging 30 plus a night. I feel confident about that. Like, he's going to go through a two-week period where, like, MPJ's averaging 32 points on 50% shooting over the last six games. But then he's going to have a game where he makes an atrocious, like he has, like he just gets picked on defensively all night and like the, the unit bogs down, but then somehow is going to wind up with still like a plus three when the rest of the team is a huge minus. He's confusing. He's just a confusing player. So I think the best expectation is to continue that trend until he shows that he can make sense that, that the nuggets can make sense with him on the court, that he is consistent. You have to assume that that's who he's going to be. 
It's a very good word. It's a, it's a very good point. I think the word that I'm picking is relieved because mm-hmm. I do think that you're going to have a lot of those concerns, especially towards the beginning of the year where it's, it's going to look very weird. People are going to be keying in on him. Uh, players, coaches, media, everything is going to be about how Michael Porter Jr. elevates his game. And it's going to be very, very uh, X-rayed throughout the year. And I think that it's going to go pretty poorly for the first couple months. And then you're going to start to see some relief there where, okay, he figures one thing out. And then he figures another thing out and, oh, the defense looks a lot better. And, oh, he's averaging 30. Like you said, Uh, by the end of it, I think with Murray coming back and Porter getting to the place that he will be, I think fans will be relieved, but I could be wrong. There's definitely a lot of wiggle room there for a lot of different things, which is why I think it's an interesting question. Um, Nikola Jokic will play over or under 75 and a half games this season. That's a really sharp number, Ryan. No action on that. I'm not betting that. That's too sharp. Uh, I will go under. Okay. Look, uh, he's extremely durable. He's earthbound, but he's a basketball player. Guys get ankles. They're sure. going to arrest him, I think, five to seven. I think he misses a week or two with injury here and there. Call it 68. And that, to me, seems like a good number. 14 games missed. Still enough to put him in MVP conversation. Still enough for him to be, um, you know, rack up a big record. I think the other thing is, uh, God willing, the Nuggets will actually be resting him fully to end the year in some of those games and not have to worry about seeding. And so maybe that will add on to that total as well. I'm going over because I'm calling BS on the rest. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think that you know it. I know it. I have a very, very strong suspicion that when Denver gets off to a pretty bad record, that he's going to take it pretty poorly. And anytime anybody recommends that he rests, he's going to say no. And I know what he said at media day. I understand that he said that, oh, I'll listen to what they say. I think that he's the MVP. He can make those decisions. And I think that they're going to give him the latitude to make those decisions too. And I just, I think that he's going to finish with 77 games or something like that. He might miss here or there, but like you said, he's earthbound. He's not going to like, I don't believe he will get injured. Knock on wood right here. Uh, But it's just going to be, it's going to be very interesting. I think it's a good line too. For he and, and Malone's, extremely positive and fruitful and productive and successful relationship. The one area that this is like the one area where I think that it's bad, where Malone is never going to feel comfortable sacrificing wins. If he only feels like he can let it go, if they're up by so much, like if we're wrong and the nuggets start off, if they start off 18 and three, Oh, he'll rest. No way. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) He'll definitely rest, but that ain't happening. And we know it. Yeah. But here's the other problem is like, even if they're solid 10 games over 500 by all-star, if they lose two in a row and Jokic and the third game is a back to back, Jokic is playing like that's, and that's where it goes out. It's like, they just, they get, I will say this, this team has a, I think it's admirable. This team has a real aversion and, paranoia about losing streaks like they're just like no no, we can't let this slide like they're very worried about like some teams are like yeah we lost four in a row whatever you know like we're not playing well but we'll get out of it 
but like the Nuggets are very actively like, no, 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 we lost two in a row. We got to get the third one. We're not losing three in a row. Like, yeah, that's how they approach it. If they move past that, I think it'd be the best for him. But I, I'm with you that I don't think they'll happen. I just think, I think he'll he'll rest in seven games, counting three in the last two weeks, mm. and then the the rest will be injury related. Okay, it's a fair point. Uh, fill in the blank. At the end of the year, Nuggets fans will be blank with Aaron Gordon's 2021-2022 season. Uh, Nuggets fans will be unimpressed. He look, he wasn't brought in to be a 25 point night scorer, but that's what people want is like, they just want to see the box score. They want to be able to be like, he's awesome. He scored 25. He won that game on the game winner. And they don't know what to do with these players that are impact related. I've seen it throughout my career, them be underappreciated, especially they're always forwards. They always play defense. They're always good passers. Paul Millsap was like this. Like, you yeah. just don't appreciate what they do. You know, I don't think Nuggets fans appreciate what Paul Millsap did for this team for the last couple of years, even though I think it was time for him to go. Um, so, you know, I think I can't see Aaron putting up a big stat line. I, I haven't liked how he's looked in the post. I've liked how he's actually, I like how his three-point shot has looked, even though he shot 33%. In preseason, I actually think that the the motion looks a little smoother. Um, but I can't expect the, the those numbers to be good enough to justify it. You have to like, you have to watch basketball the way that uh, this is a snobbish thing for me to say. So forgive me, <laughs> listener. I'm very sorry for this. You have to watch basketball the way that you and I do, where it's like most people have jobs and families and lives. It's like I've got a family, but I'm up at 11:30 going back possession by possession being like, what happened here? Like watching it five times to figure out, Oh, he called for a switch and the other guy didn't. And so that's why he got beat and stuff like that. So like, I just don't think that most fans are going to be able to appreciate what Gordon does. And on top of it, there's a chance he just doesn't play well. So I, I think they will be, I don't think they will be livid. I don't think that he's going to get draw the ire that Barton does. Cause he won't shoot as much, but I think that they will be largely unimpressed and they'll still be like, why did we give this guy a hundred million dollars? There is something to it. Um, and I do agree that he's in that kind of prototype that really does get underappreciated within the scope of championship caliber teams. And you, you get those supporting cast players where, oh, man, they're they're a little bit miscast in one role, but in another role, they, they look really, really good. And they actually really impact things. Uh, I think there's a question as to whether he's actually that prototype or not, though. And like we've talked about with Millsap, he proved it every step of the way in terms of the impact metrics, in terms of the uh, do do little, do everything, uh, fill in the gapsness of his game. I still think that we're waiting on that for Gordon. And until they get to full strength with Murray, with Barton healthy, with all of the other reserves that come in with that, I do think that there's some questions there. So I think my word would be frustrated. I think that people will be frustrated with Gordon's game. And I actually think that the one for eight nights are going to be pretty prevalent in that. Ooh, like, wow. It's, it's that he gives two points and it's, it's not that he's, it's not that he's giving 15 and you're wanting 25. It's that he's giving two and you're wanting 15. That is, that is a question that I have. 
Huh. I think you're a little, I think that's a little bit much because like, um, well, no, you're not. You know what? He had 18 games last season where he scored between zero and nine points. So a lot. You know, maybe that's maybe maybe you're right on that. I tend to think I think things will probably improve for him, especially with the usage that he'll have. I think also he had games where like he had eight points and played brilliantly. Like I agree. I mean, this is a this is a large part of it. Um, plus minus just gets to me, honestly, the 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 revulsion towards it is so much that it ignores fundamentally what the stat is. The biggest reason that I subscribe to plus minus is because at its core, this is what the stat says. Did you beat your opponent when you were on the court? Which is the actual goal of a basketball game. Like, you can't be responsible for what happens when you're off the court, but you play some role on what happens when you're on, even if it's dependent on your teammates. Like, and this is how I've always tried to say it, is like, look, if you're a superstar player and you're only getting plus minus at like two every night, you're not doing enough. Like something's not working with you. If you're as good as you're supposed to be, which oftentimes these players are, something is not working with how the team operates in that it is not translating. Because if you are a superstar caliber player, you need to be cranking out. Every time that you get on the floor for 35 minutes, you're beating teams by eight points. Like that just needs to be how it is. And the thing is like with Aaron Gordon on the court, they beat the opponent. For all for every all of the warts, and this has been kind of like the story of the Nuggets. Like for all of the warts, they would beat the team, their opponents by eight to ten points every game with the starters on the court. So um, I think it's gonna be a fascinating year. Um, if there's anybody that I'm hopeful that we're underestimating, I think it's Aaron Gordon. That's the one player I think I'm I'm most hopeful we're underestimating going into the season. It would be really cool if he had that, not necessarily star leap again, but but star within your role where everybody understands and appreciates what you're contributing every single time. Yep. Um, who will be the starting point guard for the Denver Nuggets the game before Jamal Murray returns? PJ Dozier. Interesting. How come? Uh, I think, you know, he, he called out Monte, which again is very rare that he calls out Monte. Monte is the is the, Monte. I don't think you can ask Monte to you know get everybody on the same page when it's MPJ making a hundred million dollars a year and or a hundred million dollars and Aaron Gordon making a hundred million dollars and Nikola Jokic and Will Barton making sixteen. I think you can do it when it's Monte Morris playing with Jeff Green and Jamichael Green and Bones Highland, etc. And I think eventually, like in my opinion, Faku Campazo will simply be removed from the rotation eventually. Yeah. I don't think I think that's a slow drain and that. Monte will move and will be moved back to the bench, not because he's struggling as a starter, but because they're going to be like, we need somebody that just makes this thing go. And at least Monte can run pick and roll and shoot off the dribble can play next to bones. Like there's no player that Monte can't play next to except for Faku Composo because of the size differential. That's the only, that's the only player you can't put Monte with. He has no player you can stick him with that. It doesn't make sense. That's one of the great things about him. So he goes back to the bench PJ Dozier moves in the starting unit. It provides more athleticism and defense. It adds a pure playmaker who whose three point shot looks really good as a spot up weapon. He doesn't have to create a ton, doesn't have to score a ton. He's got other ball handlers and Will Barton and MPJ around him to augment. He'll get better in terms of his chemistry with Jokic. He's already showed a really good pocket pass in preseason. I, I think Dozier makes the most sense to start. If it's not him, it's Bones. Bones is my answer. Shocker. And 
I know it's, 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 it's not for that reason. PJ is the better player. PJ is the better fit with the starting lineup, but he is also the better fit with the bench for the sole reason that they don't have any bench wings. If they have Barton and they have MPJ in the starting lineup, and then you take PJ and you put him into the starting lineup, then I have a lot of questions about where that perimeter size comes from on the second unit. Are they just going to stagger Michael Porter the entire time? Are they just going to stagger Will Barton the entire time? Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the best answer. Maybe that's the way that you get wins, but you probably have to cut it down to a nine-man rotation at that point. And then you're just you're you're gasping for breath by the time that Murray comes back. So I think that fundamentally, Bones is probably a good fit because of his approximation of what Murray can provide. He can play on and off the ball. He is going to have a lot of problems in terms of everybody's going to be in that starting lineup and it's not going to work out and defense is going to be a little bit of a struggle and they're all going to look at bones and it's going to be very weird. But I think that they are good enough uh, at the other four positions that they can make up for that a little bit. And bones gives them a little bit of juice that might be really helpful during a regular season, especially in those dog days. Uh, my response would be the bench unit needs somebody who can create their own shot. And the only player that can do that is bones Highland. And additionally, <laughs> and additionally, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And additionally, here's the other thing. What's the Achilles heel for the starters. What's the only thing that, that kills them? What's the, what, what is like the tried and true thing that if the, if the nuggets have fewer than this, than the opponent, they win the turnovers. Do you want a rookie? Do you want this rookie? Tight handle and all. Good passing instincts and all. Next to Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. When all you have to do, Ryan, is not turn the ball over more than your opponent. It's a very good point. Bones had six turnovers in a preseason game. Love him. I think he's going to be great. Have have a rookie of the year bet on him. But but, this is just my thing is, is I think Malone's already going outside of his comfort zone by trusting a rookie and like he's earned it. And that's a credit to Malone that he's not being obstinate. It also, by the way, proves a whole lot of things about MPJ where everybody's like, Hey, you still like him because he's young. No, 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. You're totally right on this. Like that you are right on the nose on this, that you have to show certain things in order to get into the good graces. Bones has been showing that and he has been very willing and asking questions and not being God's gift to basketball. That is a, that is a very, very important qualifier in that conversation. I mean, look, it could um, be, yeah. it also could be a third person. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they did. If, I mean, I think could you can Faku. make a little, I think you can make small moves with this roster in season. If you need it. Like I still, mm. I'll, I'll say this, like I, I still, I still think that they have underestimated how much they need a traditional center off the bench. Also, Patrick Beverly might be a, a good shout if they're if they're looking for somebody from yep. a, from a non contender who who could really help them in the intermediate time. Yep. Um, the Nuggets will win how many games and be what seed in the 2021-2022 season? Fifty two, and they'll be the four seed. I'm at fifty one and the four seed. 
So we're, we're pretty much in lockstep there. Yeah. It's uh, we've, we've been talking enough. We understand how this thing's going to go. They're going to under underwhelm at the beginning, but at, at some point they're going to look like the destroyer of worlds and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to that moment, even if we have to wait for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to take a while, but they're going to, by the end of the season, I think that they're going to be, they're going to be the oh shit team. They're going to be the team that the five seed is like, yay, we got the five seed versus the nugget. But it's, it's going to be a, a torture rack because it's. I think it's going to go Jazz, Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets is my prediction. Okay. And so I think the Sun, I think we're going to get Suns, Nuggets too. Oh, that's, that's going to cause some takes. That's for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And that's a, uh, Oh, I can't wait to talk that trash. That's going to be great. Um, how far will the Nuggets get? Uh, do you mean where the parade ends? Correct. Yeah. Where Where does the parade end, Matthew? Yeah, I think the parade's got to end at, the, at Capitol Hill. Uh, that's where I think mm. it's. That's where I think it goes. Um, I like it. Yeah, I'm picking the. I I've, I picked the Denver Nuggets in the off season. I picked the Denver Nuggets in the pre preseason. And even after a disastrous preseason, uh, my official pick is the Denver Nuggets to win the 2022 NBA title. And I'm not a Homer. I am not, I'm a transplant. I moved here in 2012. I, I am very proud to say that I'm not a Nuggets fan. I think it provides my, makes my coverage better. The Nuggets are going to win the title in 2022. I love it. I was very, very close to picking them. Uh, I I'm almost feeling like a coward that I did not pick them because I I'm trying to remove the Homer hat a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I said that they would go down in the conference finals to the Lakers. I said that they would lose to the Lakers in six games, because I think that that's still a matchup that you have to be concerned about with the Davis LeBron pick and roll against like a, a, a spreading Jokic out and things like that. Uh but I was really close, Matt. I was really, really close. And I think the one holdup that I have other than that is I just don't know what it's going to look like with MPJ and Murray when it comes back. Like when when everybody gets back healthy, they're going to have the talents. But when it comes down to the closing minutes of a game, I'm still worried about what the actual plan is while Murray's coming back from an ACL. I think... Here's a lot of it for me is that I said this on lockdown. I, I I've covered the NBA for 13 years. I've seen every variation of injury. I've seen guys say way longer on injuries than even their teams felt that they should, which is, that's an uncomfortable thing to say, but that's where it gets to sometimes. Yeah. Um, I've seen guys want to get back very badly and just not feel comfortable. Uh, I've seen every variation of it. There is no player I am more comfort, more confident in bouncing back from injury and coming back as close to 100% as Jamal Murray. I've never seen a work ethic. I've never seen a, I've never seen a masochism when it comes to whatever the work entails than him. He wants it to be difficult, and so they'll. I think they'll struggle when he gets back because that's like a natural adjustment period. Like most teams struggle when they get that kind of a piece back. It's awkward. You're in a rhythm, et cetera. 
the good news is that their schedule is front loaded and the back end of their schedule is extremely soft. So I think they'll be in a good spot to get him back on track versus easy teams with a relatively easy schedule, um, rest advantage, working back in. Like I will say this too. I'm not ruling out the him being back before all-star. It would not hmm. shock me if he was back. If people, if everyone thought he'd be back after all-star and he's back before, not considerably before, but before all-star. Um, so I, I think, I think that they'll be, they'll, it'll be awkward in February. And I think that midway through March, you'll be like, Oh, they figured it out. And then they'll start to, to ramp down beginning of April going into the playoffs. I love it. Just, just imagining the Capitol Hill parade now is just, it's just got the goosebumps for sure. But, uh, uh, more than anything, like I, it, that's just, I've missed watching Jamal Murray will play basketball and it's, it's, it has made, it makes the season for Denver Nuggets fans joyful with the Jokic Murray pick and roll. And then the imagination of the three headed monster that was coming, Yeah, uh, whether it does happen or not remains to be seen, but we think that it will. And if that oh. happens to the maximum capacity, then that's pretty special. We got to clarify though. Cause we even said like, it was first, it was the core four. Will was so damn good in that stretch. Like we will deserves to be mentioned amongst the, the like, Will's ability to score when everybody, when they were like, shit, we got to guard Jokic. Okay. We got to guard Murray. Oh God, we got to guard MPJ. And then Will's like, I'm going to get buckets. It, it th- that ability to, to make it to where you can't, there's no good choice for you is crucial. So like the core five needs got to be, they all, they all deserve recognition for how they contributed to how good that lineup looked. Going five headed dragon. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. Uh, let's take a final break. When we come back, we're just going to go rapid fire through some NBA predictions. We will be right back. Big action roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Joined at, with Matt Moore. Thankful for him taking the time with me. It's pretty late on this Sunday night, so I'm going to try to get us in and out of here quickly. Um, the team that you are highest on relative to consensus for this season is oh, Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> uh, I I think they're a playing team. I think they might be a playoff team. I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to make a lot of ruckus. I think Chris Finch. Uh, Nuggets fans know him from a short time in Denver. He had a good stint in, in New Orleans, had a good stint. Like he's been good everywhere. I talked to him in the G League 10 years ago. Chris Finch is an excellent coach. The work that he did at the end of the season, not tanking, getting those guys to buy in. They're playing the type of style of defense that they needed to play this whole freaking time up at the level, replicating what Denver has done, playing physical, creating turnovers, using the athleticism. They do have a lot of scores. I love Anthony Edwards. He's a coachable guy. Towns is a phenomenal talent that has been under the radar. I think this is a breakout season. I like the Wolves to go way over their total uh, and be in contention for a playoff spot, if not earn one outright. I love it. I think that's a great pick. They were my second choice. My first choice was the Memphis Grizzlies. I actually think that they are surprisingly 
I think that they're going to be better than the Dallas Mavericks. And I, I would pick them to win the Southwest division, which I think is insane for a lot of people, but I don't think that they have that far to reach. I really think that they're actually closer than people give them credit for. And we talked on, on locked on a couple of weeks ago about John Morantz. And I think that he's really, really good. I also think that Jaron Jackson jr. Kind of got lost in the shuffle a lot of this season. And, um, and I think that he's ready for a breakouts and you combine those two, you combine Desmond Bain starting, you combine uh, Brandon Clark kind of bouncing back a little bit. They still have Xavier Tillman. Uh, Dylan Brooks is very foundational for how they want to play. They've just got a lot of great, exciting pieces. And your guy, D'Anthony Melton, like there's, there's a lot of things to be excited about with the Grizzlies. Uh, I have a division bet on them. So mm. I like them a lot as well. I think that they're going to be really good. I actually think that they can't be higher than other people expect because I think the expectations for them are relatively high. They were a playoff team last year. No. The number for them is relatively low, but I think this is always the thing, right? It's like, are we talking about casuals or are we talking about like the NBA sphere? Because if you listen to this podcast, I, I think you know that the Grizzlies are going to be pretty good this season. True. I, I think most of what I'm coming with is uh, I think people have really agreed upon the top eight teams in these in the West playoffs, it's the the Lakers, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Mavericks, and that's eight. And then they would put the Grizzlies at nine. And I think that the Grizzlies not only have a chance to get into that top eight conversation, but could break into six, which is kind of nuts. But they have the depth to do it. Like I, I really do think that they're good. Um, the team that you are lowest on relative to consensus is. The Phoenix Suns. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. You uh, definitely they, are. You know, I'm, this one I'm prepared to be wrong on because they they had a really strong finish to preseason. Um, look, I just I, Chris isn't going to stay healthy. I just I I love Chris Paul. We'll stand for the point God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever against people like you. But he. <laughs> he's just too old. Like he's just going to have to miss time. He's going to get injured. He's going to have problems. He's going to miss time. Um, he's, you know, he had his meniscus removed when he was like 26. Yeah. And he's had remarkable health and he's done a lot to keep himself in that spot. But you know, father time's undefeated. He's going to have problems. Uh, Booker had the bubble and then went home and then had basically two months off and then went back and then played in a long season. Wasn't actually all that great last season. And then went in the Olympics, like statistically wise, he was still great. Um, obviously yeah, contributed yeah. to winning. Um, play better defense. And I think most of us thought he could uh, then when the Olympics did that month off now back in the training camp, this is a lot, even for a 26 year old, uh, the Deandre Ayton contract stuff is still weird. Um, Let me get your take on that. Are, do you think that he will sign it before the deadline? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I don't know what Ayton expects. Um, losing Dario Saric is such a bigger deal than people are prepared for. He was a huge part of why they got through a rough part in the middle of the season. Aiden always tends to miss a little bit of time too. If Aiden's gone now, it's JaVale McGee. And I think we know how that one works out after all the hype that JaVale got last year in Denver. Uh, that's not a good, good replacement option. So, um, I think they'll still be good. I think they will be a 48 win team, but I do think that the idea, I think that this team is like going to be, I, I just, I will say this. They last year was special. They had a special season last year it's hard to have special seasons back to back. So I tend to think that there's going to be some regression. Um, even if they're still a really good team, I'll probably be higher on them in the playoffs. Like I'm hoping I'm right that they struggle in the regular season because then it'll be in a good spot for me to bet on the playoffs if they don't face Denver. Cause then I'll be in a really rough spot between oh, I said Denver was going to win. And so that would be kind of awkward, but in general uh, I'm lower on the sun's regular season performance than most people. 
Yeah, no, I I know you have them outside the top four, and they're one of the teams that so many people pencil into that top four, even the top two, just because of how steady yeah. they were throughout last year. So it's a it's a good call. Um, Dallas is the team that I would pick. Just I'm I'm very low on them. I think it's obvious why I should be low on them too. Uh, they don't have enough creation outside of Luca in order for me to feel comfortable with them. Well, like I think that Jalen Brunson is fine. I think that Tim Hardaway's fine, but those guys are fine. Not like it's not, it's just not fundamental outside of what Luca brings. Like I'm with you on the overall take because I think Jay, I think Jason Kidd is a massive downgrade. But like I will say this, I, I, I've heard this take a lot about, about the creation. Um, yeah, Brunson was plus 4.9 last year per 100 possessions with him on the court. Luca was plus 3.9. Now they're facing different units, but it just it does need to be said that when Jalen was on the court, they did a lot of really good things. And Jalen's numbers were individually really good too. I think Brunson does not get enough credit. The other thing right. I would tell you to, to, as like a warning sign there, if the Raptors do not get off to a good start, there's a really good chance that Dragic winds up there. And then that solves sure. the problem. Um, however, I'm with you just because I think you can add Dragic and I'm still just like, I've, Jason Kidd, like there are no play for me on win totals because I just got, I, my, this is what I wrote. I was like, Luka Doncic, but Jason Kidd, but Luka Doncic, <laughs> Jason Kidd. It's just, there's no good option here. They're the, I cannot drink the wine in front of you. That's where I'm at with them is there's no good option when it comes to the Mavericks. Luka's so good. KP looks great in preseason. Congratulations. He's going to have a great two months and then he's going to do what he always does every single year. They still have not addressed, like, they're still starting Dwight Powell, even though Maxi Kleber was probably better for them. Uh, actually, Willie Colley Stein was actually the better player for them in terms yeah, of they need a I ring agree. runner. Um, yeah. And Kid wants, Kid's going to start Powell, but has told Porzingis that he wants him to play more in the post and mid range. No, it, it's just, it's this mess, but you still have Luka Doncic. So they're, it's not going to shock me if they're the three seed. It's not going to shock me if they're the eight seed. I, I'm, I am. I have a bet on them to miss the playoffs only because I think that there's a good chance that I'm going to be in a, in a spot where I can hedge it late in the season. That's it. Does that cash if they lose the plan? Yes. Yeah, I think I might. I might try to find something like that too. That's yeah, they're uh, plus four fifty to miss the playoffs, and so my oh. my goal, my dream is that Memphis beats them out. They wind up in the seventh spot. And then I can just bet on them against that number at plus 450 to hedge out. That's what I'll do. Very good. Um, Which player do you have the most confidence will break out this year league-wide? Jordan Poole. That's Um, the one I put. Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing, right? It's it's too easy. It's too obvious. That's why I'm bummed that he had this preseason. Because I really needed him to be like, I just needed him to get nicked up and like slide under the radar so I could be like, hey, Jordan Poole is going to be really awesome. But instead, you know, he leads the Warriors in scoring in the preseason. Um, every single marker is there. You got the experience last year. You got the minutes. He's got the shooting efficiency. The the, the spacing is going to be so much better on the Warriors. They're taking a ton of threes. Poole is going to get heavy minutes, like running the second unit when Steph doesn't play or is, or is on the bench. Uh, he's primed, I think, for a huge breakout. I will say the player that I'm probably going to be like caping for madly 
is going to be Patrick Williams on the Bulls and about how mm. he's doing a lot more than people realize in terms of making that thing work and fit together in a very Paul Millsap, Aaron Gordon type of role. Sure. Um, he's going to be a player that I'm probably going to talk a lot about. I'll probably talk about Patty Mills, who I always talk about a lot in those kind of spots. Uh, and then additionally, the other like kind of breakout player, uh, I have DeAnthony Melton on my six man of the year list. Um, not as winner. I've got Jordan pool there, but, um, he's on my list. I just think again, that this, you're right. that This Grizzlies bench unit is absolutely phenomenal. And, and Melton's numbers have been really good the last two seasons. Um, as they get more exposure, I think that he'll, he'll wind up on there. Um, he's a breakout candidate. Uh, I've got one more for you. Um, oh, uh, in San Antonio, I think Derek White probably takes a step forward and, and probably emerges the best player on that team over DeJounte Murray. Um, and then he's a guy that we start talking about a little bit more like we did in, in that playoff series versus the Nuggets a couple of years ago. He did show some signs at the end of the year last year, Derek White did. And, and there, there's a lot to like about just kind of the, the player, the play style that he has, if he can get up those threes and can uh, make them with some efficiency. That's a that's a good shout. Uh, Jordan Poole, like I I looked it up last year. He had, he had 19 minutes per game, 12 points per game in 19. That's that's a really interesting ratio. And uh, his role is just going to increase, like you said. It, and you have him for six man of the year. I think that's that's kind of interesting. See, <laughs> I I would want them to bench Andrew Wiggins, but that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, my hope actually is that Clay comes back and Clay's healthy. And that they struggle in the beginning of the year and they have to play Wiggins because of the money and they, they wind up having to play Kevon Looney at five. That's my goal is like, is for it to be Steph um, and Wiggins and Otto Porter and Draymond and Kevon and that pool comes off the bench and play and closes with the starting unit. That's my hope there. I also have a bet on Jordan pool for MIP though. I've been on, on both awards, which is the first time I've ever bet on anybody to win two awards. That was an MVP and DPOY. So. He's very interesting. I, I was very impressed with them when they played uh, the, the Nuggets in preseason. Um, over under 40 and a half games played on Zion Williamson this year. Uh, 40 and a half. Uh, half the year, Matt. Just half the year. That's it. 50%. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go under. He'll have knee soreness and miss it. Like he'll miss 10 more with knee soreness. He'll sprain an ankle and miss 10 more. He's going to miss time here with the whatever's the foot thing that continues to be very strange. And he may just miss 10 games because he feels like it. I, you got to go under, I think, on Zion until he proves that he's not going to. Well, he, you know, his numbers weren't as bad in terms of injury the last couple of years as they've been made out to be when you put it in context. But yeah, I'll say under. I just, I think if I have to be on a side, I think it's just better to be skeptical than optimistic with Zion. It is almost cheating in my opinion to put them as the team that you're like underrated like like or like the lowest on relative to consensus because they have been so dysfunctional at least from the outside looking in in, in terms of how this situation has been managed the the ability to communicate effectively in, in what in the hell is going on with this dude i have no idea like it just seems like it seems like we're waiting for the other half to drop on some sort of big story that is, that is playing around with, with what's been going on behind the scenes there. I have no idea, but I, I, would, got. I got nothing else for you. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's it. That's all I got. Like it's weird. Uh, I think I would go over, but like 45, like I, I feel very, very not confident about that. Right. Um, 
conference finals picks in each uh, conference, and then your NBA finals pick. You know, that's how we'll wrap up. Uh, Nuggets versus Warriors. Okay. And Bucks over Celtics. Interesting. No, no, no. Bucks over Hawks. Bucks over Hawks. Less interesting, but still interesting. Uh, okay, let's let's start with the Nets first. Like, are, are you out on the Kyrie situation and everything that's been going on there? I think they're more vulnerable than people realize. I yeah. think that's a lot of it. Is. I just think they're a lot more. I think they're a lot more. Now, I think I still think they probably want like in this scenario. I think they wind up in the four seed, and the Bucks get past them in the second round. Um, hmm. The smart take is like, well, the Bucks only beat them because of the injuries and Kevin Durant's foot on the line and blah, 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 blah. Do you have any idea how much the Bucks offense underperformed relative to even like slightly reasonable expectations of so having bad. a bad series? Like so if, you, bad. if you improve them by like 20%, you would still be at terrible offensively. Now, do you look at the Nets and go, wow, that makes sense. You know, those Nets, the defensive juggernaut, what do you expect when you're going against Blake Griffin? Are you kidding me? They need Blake Griffin to defend Giannis on and Kumpo for seven games. Ryan, what are we talking about here? Um, I don't trust the Kyrie thing. I think Harden's got a lot of miles on him, which that he's always been super durable. I think that's going to start to crank down because he put too many miles on himself when he was going for those MVPs. Katie's going to need some time off just because of the nagging injuries pursuant to coming back from the Achilles surgery. Um, they're going to coast more. They got away with it last year. I don't think they get away with it this year. Losing Jeff Green actually does hurt them. Um, their front court is not good. Um, overall, I think they'll coast more. They wind up with a four seed. The Bucks be in the second round. I like it. I think that that is a very good take. I still have them in the three seed with the Bucks at the one. So I'm, I'm penciling them in to get to the finals, but I think that the Bucks beat them there. Uh, I think that the Bucks have been very underrated in this entire process when it comes to the Nets just being like people saying that they're just completely supremely better than them. And no, I, don't, I just don't think that's true. I don't think yeah. that the, the stars and that star dynamic and how they would play, I don't think it fundamentally changes as much as what people think in a series like that. Uh, but maybe it does. Maybe, maybe I'm proven wrong by that. Uh, you don't have the Lakers in the Western conference either. Uh, they get beaten by the Warriors in the second round. Man, so. that is, that is takesville right there. I love it. Tell me why. So we've got uh, Jazz at the top, one seed. Um, and we've got Warriors, Lakers. Um, I I have a lot of confidence that Frank Vogel is going to coach this team into being a pretty good defense. And I have a lot of confidence that the Lakers are still going to win 52 games because they got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Uh, I'm not as low on, as low on, on Russell Westbrook as uh, the youths are uh, in this world. But I will say that Russ's spacing naturally compounds it. Their injury problems, I think, give me a, little, a, a spot for concern. The fact they're already having injury concerns opens up the door for that. Um, I do think that eventually LeBron is going to make the clutch, will make the call that they're going to want Carmelo Anthony and a lot of the closing lineups. And yikes. Um, I think, Ow. yeah, I think, oh. I, I think honestly, wow. if you're going into a series, the one player that, with Anthony Davis, the one player you don't want on the other side is Draymond Green. He'll get in his head. He'll out physical him. He'll make him uncomfortable. That's a nightmare. Um, so you've got Otto Porter to guard LeBron James. He'll get cooked. He'll get cooked because it's LeBron, but okay. 
Um, they'll do the same stuff with Russ that they've always kind of done and egg him on. Draymond will talk at him and get into his head. Russ does a, does a bad job of making the smart tactical decisions there. He gets too emotionally invested. I don't like their supporting cast who's relatively unproven. I don't trust Malik Monk in a closeout game six, for example. Um, so I think the Warriors through three-point volume, just being able to outpace their, their half-court offense, which for the Lakers has not been good in the LeBron AD era. Um, that's enough to get them by and the Warriors uh, advance to the conference finals as everyone goes like the Warriors are going back to the finals. The Warriors are going back to the finals stuff back. And then the Nuggets beat them in six games. So if I have this right, then, then you have the Nuggets beating the Suns, the yes. Jazz, the Warriors and the Bucks in sequential order. Yes. Pretty good run. Pretty good run right there. That's, that's about all it nuggets. You gotta believe, Ryan. For, you gotta believe. <laughs> I have Bucks over Nets in seven, Lakers over Nuggets in six, and Bucks over Lakers in five. Uh, but the the Lakers Warriors matchup, I I I think you sold me on that one. I think that that's something that if that does happen, then I will pick the Warriors. But I also think that it comes down to Russ being on the floor against Stephen Curry. And I think that could be a nightmare for the Lakers. If the Lakers are the two seed and the Nuggets are in the three and they're a game up on the Warriors, they better tank their faces off. I will absolutely roast them if they walk into a, a matchup with the Lakers in round two. Like while yeah. giving while giving the Warriors having to get past Phoenix and Utah, putting putting Utah, Phoenix, and Golden State in the other side of the bracket while you get the, the Lakers is a that's a rough choice. So don't go don't go there. I love it. I love it. Hey, you, thank you so much for for sharing your time with me. And I know this this went way longer than I told you that it would, uh, but I do genuinely appreciate the excellent conversation that we've had so far. Are, are you working on anything for action that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I've got win totals up. If you like the betting stuff, I've got win totals up for every single team. I did a guide for every single team for all 30 teams. You can really read the over the, the case for the over the case for the under and what I ultimately think will happen. Um, I've got MVP futures and an article out on, um, who I think is going to win MVP, et cetera. Um, where, where the value is on those bets, how the MVP process works, all of that and more uh, over at Action Network and the Action Network app. Also, please, please, please subscribe to my uh, NBA betting podcast, Buckets, because it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of great stuff over there. Get the season kickstarted on Wednesday. Raheem Palmer, and I think uh, Brandon Anderson is on that one too, right? Yep, that's my guys. Love it. Love it. Hey, thank you so much. I, everybody go read the, especially the Nugget season preview. I thought that that one was really good. Um, Perfect. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. And everybody, I will talk to you guys very soon.